This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make a return. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Uh, glad to be back with you for another episode. Yes, always good to talk stocks and markets, our favorite time of the week. Speaking of, we did an episode last week, or on Monday, in fact, on leverage. Yeah. It's got some great feedback from listeners. Obviously, has created a bit of interest around the products and the potential that leverage, I guess, gives for an investor over the long term. But we do have to clarify some of the comments that we've made. Yeah, mostly great feedback, but some feedback seeking clarification. Yes. And look, we are not here to tell you that we know everything and we got something wrong. And so we're going to clarify it now. Yeah, well, we didn't. Yeah, that's correct. So do you want to kick it off and then we'll get stuck into the rest of the episode. Yeah. So we spoke about leveraged ETFs and we spoke about how they're designed to track the daily movement of an index. And a lot of the way that that is done is using options. They're essentially synthetically constructed to track an index at whatever times they're meant to. So, you know, an example that a lot of people talk about is ProShares Ultra Pro NASDAQ 100 ETF that is meant to track the NASDAQ three times the NASDAQ 100. And the way that ProShares do that is they use options to perform three times the daily movement of that index. And so we left it there and we left, there was a bit of a glaring omission. So we want to clarify that for everyone because it's important that we do. There are also leveraged ETFs that don't build their ETF synthetically. They don't use options. But instead, what they do is they go to the bank and they borrow money. And essentially, they create a leveraged product 
like you or I would get a margin loan or get, you know, a NAB equity builder loan and um, leverage ourselves that way. So BetaShares products in particular in Australia are leveraged that way. They're not leveraged synthetically. We got that wrong last episode, so we thought we'd clarify it off the top here. Yeah, nice. So as you said, Ren, they, they just go get a loan from an institutional bank to obtain leverage that way. And, you know, they can probably get a bit of a better rate than you and I could. Their funds are not daily leveraged products. And thus, you know, we spoke about the slipping in terms of uh, tracking and it is somewhat far less than you would find with the products that you spoke about, Ren, if it is synthetic. So, yeah, you, you still don't get a perfect, you know, two times or three times or whatever it is. But yeah, you, you don't get the same long term risk as you do if you get into one of these leveraged ETFs that are designed to track the daily returns. Yeah, And so that's a pretty easy first step if you're looking at the product information on uh, which ones they are. If they say they track the daily returns, well, then they obviously are tracking the daily returns. BetaShares ones don't say that. They explicitly aren't tracking daily. So just really make sure you read the product disclosure statement. Absolutely. And as we discussed in the show, I guess the difference between these leveraged EDFs and margin loans, there's no margin call and that sort of stuff. But we discussed that in the show. So we'll leave it there. Good to clarify. And let's uh, get cracking with the rest of the episode. And if we make any other mistakes in any other episode, feel free to call us out and we'll clarify. Absolutely. It's all about the learning journey. That's it. So... Today, Ren, we've got uh, one of our expert investors joining us again on the show. For those that couldn't make our Sydney show, he was a panelist there and a very great supporter of Equity Mates. So uh, we have the CEO and founder of Stake, Matt Leibowitz, joining us. Thanks for joining Equity Mates. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to be back. So we've had Matt on the show a number of times before to talk all things US stock market. For those that have just joined Equity Mates, welcome to the journey. Do you want to give us a quick spiel about what you do and, and what is stake, Matt? Sure. So for people outside the US, accessing the US market directly is really tough and stake solves that problem. We're a digital brokerage that makes it really simple and straightforward and affordable for people to buy and sell US shares. That's really what we are and what we do. Yeah, nice. I feel like you missed your biggest selling point there, though. Zero dollar brokerage. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just the way the brokerage works these days. I don't know if you've been following the news in the States, but five of the biggest brokers have all gone down to zero as well. So we beat them to it. Yeah. yeah no, uh, no one else in Australia yet? No, no, not yet. I don't think the ASX stocks will ever get there for various reasons. But yeah, the US is there and it's Probably been there for like four or five years now with a few players, so interesting times. So the idea for today's show is to discuss, I guess, how people have been trading in the US. You know, as a millennial, a lot of the companies that we use every day and are obsessed with and talk a lot about on the show are American companies listed in the NASDAQ. And so we thought it'd be a good opportunity to look at perhaps some of the stocks that are being traded on, you know, most traded over the last week, what's been most popular in in the States through stake for the last year, just to get a bit of an idea of what's going on. But before we do, Matt, you obviously best personally as well, have been successful in doing so. We've learned a lot of lot from you over the last sort of two years. I guess to start, have over the last sort of twelve months, have you swayed more to the US market or are you in, in the Aussie stocks at this stage? What's been your sort of preference? Well, actually, during the course of the year, it was probably more Australian stocks. I had some exposure that sort of went in my favour quite significantly. So in my portfolio, not by adding to it necessarily, but just by the way it moved, made it larger in Australia. So that sort of put me on the block when it came to Aussie stocks. The last 
sort of month or so, it's really fallen off the ball, but the opportunities in the US have started to pick up. So it's just about, for me, being dynamic and just chasing those opportunities when they're there. So, yeah, I guess it's just, it's, it's never a straightforward answer. It's um, as the money flows, I'll be there, hopefully. So do you have a set percentage that you want to have in Australia, in America, in other markets, or is it literally just wherever the opportunity is, you'll go? Yeah, very much that, the second one. It's, um, yeah, just because it's in Australia and because in the US, it doesn't really matter. The best opportunity, it's sort of like playing cricket. You've got to judge every ball on its merits. The same comes to investing. And how are you finding stocks at the moment? What's your tactic? You know, if you're trying to be dynamic and jump between Aussie and the US, you know, you're looking at a pool of over 5,000 stocks and ETFs. How do you narrow that pool down? Yeah, I mean, over over the journey, my, you know, I've learned a lot. I've been in the market for a long time, you know, starting off when I was probably much like your listeners, either at university or first starting out. And it's changed a lot as my time in the market has developed and I've been in it for a while. So with experience, it's changed. But I generally do the same things. Like my philosophy is to like buy stocks that are going up and not be in ones that are going down. So it really narrows it when you're looking for stocks that are either making new highs or are moving up on significant volume or, or, or something interesting's happened and the stock or the company has made a material, had, had a material change, uh, which means that the stock is now being bought up by other people. Ultimately, what I want to do and or my strategy is I want to buy something someone else wants to own because the most likely scenario is someone will pay a higher price for it. I, I don't really play for dividends. It's not how I play. I play for capital growth. Mm. So I think one of the big questions that I've had and we get from a lot of listeners is just how you how you keep track of all of that. You know, if you're trying to keep track of 5000 stocks that are hitting new time highs and all of that, what's your what's your go-to sources for tracking that kind of information? Yeah, so I've look and I I've got no affiliation with any of these, they're just w- what I use. Yeah. So I've got a Comsec brokerage account in Australia. I've obviously got a stake account for the US. But my actual filters I use a product called Incredible Charts. It's a, a guy out of Queensland who's done an amazing job and he just makes it really easy to screen opportunities in across the world. So yeah, that's incrediblecharts.com. It's Australian. It's excellent. I use TradingView as well. And really, I keep it really simple. I've, I've set up a screener that looks for stocks that are making you know, three-year highs, one-year highs, and with an increase in volume. And when you put more criteria in that match what you're trying to do, it really limits it. I could be looking through. I think I, I do it every Sunday night. I don't spend every single day doing it. Yeah, so I'm not looking to trade in and out every single day. It's more just sort of, you know, my hold, I can hold stuff for a year. I can hold stuff for a couple of weeks. So I'm really looking for things that are making recent highs. And it, when you've got 5,000 to look at, but you scan it by a number of criteria, you cut it down to maybe 50 to 100 that you're looking at each week, which is not too bad. It's interesting you say recent. If someone told me, put a filter on this stock and tell me what the recent high was, you've said here you put three, three-year three highs and one-year highs. I mean, I probably would put something less than a year. I don't know what you would put, Ren, if someone was to tell you find find a recent high. But in my mind, three years seems quite a, a long period of time to be looking at a stock, you know, if, if it was as high three years ago and that's a, a measure of or an indicator to get in. I'm wondering how you kind of come to those two trigger points. The way you can look at it is if someone pays a certain price for it and the price goes down, they're starting to sweat. And if it keeps going down, it keeps going down, it keeps going down. And as soon as the price starts to go back up, they probably actually end up selling. Whereas if you've bought a share and it started to move up, the the way our emotions kick in is we actually want to hold on for it for as long as possible. You get greedy. When it's going down, you get fearful. So people generally, when they buy a stock and it goes up, they're not likely to sell it. So there's actually a lack of supply, but there's lots of demand. 
So that's when it clears out like levels like one year highs or three is high. There's actually not a lot of sellers because no one's actually bought it at that level before. So what I like to do is I like to buy stocks that other people are probably going to buy. Whereas if I've bought a stock that's had a sell, you know, someone's bought, as I said, if I bought a stock at $10, but there's been buyers at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, you're going to face a lot of selling pressure on the way up. Whereas if no one's bought it before at this price, there's not much selling pressure there. Well, speaking of all-time highs, all-time lows, let's jump into some of the stocks that have been popular through stake and I guess gives a reflection of how Aussies are buying in, in the US at the moment, something that we haven't really spoken about on the show before. And let's talk about stocks that have been most bought last week, last month and last year. And I guess if any of us have bought them, we can say why. (laughs) (laughs) I think before we get into it, we should give the preamble that we are in Australia. We're an Australian podcast. A lot of our guests are very Australian focused, but Australia is 2% of the global market, 2% of the investable universe. And so part of us wanting to speak to Matt and to, to get a broader perspective of the world is what the US is. 40%, 50% Forty percent, yeah, of yeah. the the investable market. You just your opportunity set is larger. There's bigger companies and better opportunities. Well, you know, yeah. good opportunities. There's opportunities there. everywhere. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. different ones. So I think it's called home country bias. If you just invest in your own market, and we're trying to bust out of that, and hopefully some of these names that we speak about will help us break out of it. What do you reckon is your split between Aussie and US Ren? Honestly, I think since I, uh, shameless plug for Matt here, but <laughs> since, since I st- opened up a stake account, I've definitely been more US focused than before just because it's the same difficulty of investing in Australia and the US now. Yeah. But I would still probably be more Australia than the US. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty normal. Like we, we surveyed our users and 77% of them have an Aussie brokerage account and so and only a few of them. I've ever traded in the US before. Mm. So there's still a bit of a learning curve. The hours are pretty easy for Australians. So it's, yeah, that's not unexpected. I've never stayed up overnight to trade the US. I've stayed up till opening bell, but that was like 11 <laughs> o'clock. So it's, not, <laughs> it's nothing massive. Uh, that's past my bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So last week, the most bought stock was Saya. Is that how you pronounce it? S A I A. That's as good as guess as I'd give <laughs> It's actually the founder's surname of this company. I did a bit of research before I came in, but I think it's Sayer. Sayer? Yeah, yeah. Sounds, let's go with yeah, it. Yeah, that's how it looks, right? So it's currently $96.19 and has a market cap of about $2.49 billion. Do you have uh, – well, we might give a bit of a rundown on, on what this, the stock is, Matt, and then maybe you can give us your two cents on why you think people might be buying it. <laughs> Because from what Ren and I were looking at, we have no idea. So I'm going to be honest, I've never heard of this company before today. Not me either. Yeah. Well, that's good. We've both learned something (laughs) new. Obviously, someone had because they were buying it. So do you want to give the spiel on what it is? Yeah, sure. So it's an American trucking company of all things. However, its uh, strength lies in the less than truckload category or LTL, which is small shipments, I guess. That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are apparently three tiers in a transport market, your full trucks, your less than truckload, and then your parcel deliveries. And they sit right in the yeah, middle. Yeah, yeah. So they are in the top 10 LTL carriers in the United States. I think they have revenue of about $1.7 billion in 2018. So pretty sizable company year to date. They're up 76%. However, they're down about 10% from their peak on the 31st of October when they must have 
reported, I assume, and that was down from 104.98. So last week, big buy, Matt. Mm. Uh, surprising. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, normally we see uh, companies that are making their way up on the up, being the most bought. Yeah, there must have been something going on. Or, you know, there's a lot of firms that provide research that recommend stakes. So this may have been one of those things that okay. were recommended. Uh, you know, this is what I actually love about the US is I hadn't really heard of this either no. until it sort of popped up on our data. But the fact that it's got $1.7 billion US, which is what, like two and a half sort mm. of billion mm. Aussie, that's an enormous company. Yeah. Like enormous. But it's been tracking up, as you said, it's up what, 70%, 65 76%, yeah. yeah. for the year. And that's also probably why it's been bought. And people may have bought it after the announcement or the report and just thought, well, this thing's going to keep trucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So interestingly, in your data for the last month, the over 65 category of buyers, this was their number one stock. Why do you think that the older demographic are liking this company? Yeah, I'd probably be pushing that thinking that it's someone's recommended it, yeah, uh, right. like an investment report of sorts. You know, there's a few that, as I said, suggest that their customers use stakes. So it's probably one of those and it's probably read by the over 65s. <laughs> um, but they obviously know something because, as I said, it's up. 70 odd percent for the year so subject to when they got in they're, yeah they're probably retired <laughs> <laughs> it's probably because they understand old school modes of transport better than perhaps the true, next stock that we'll talk about which over indexed in all yeah. other age groups <laughs> well both of them were transport companies true yeah, yeah as we'll true. find out so i reckon most listeners can probably guess the company we're alluding to right now space galaxy yeah. or whatever it's called <laughs> toll <laughs> So that was the most bought stock last week. So the most bought stock of last month, no surprises here, I thought, when I saw it was Tesla. Mm -hmm. I didn't buy it. I don't think I've ever owned Tesla. Have you? Neither have I. Have you, Matt? I have a short period of time. My dad owns it. He was telling me all about it this week. Really? He'd be a happy man. Yeah, but he wasn't talking about his short NASDAQ a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, long Tesla, short NASDAQ. That's an interesting trade. Yeah, it's bizarre. I don't know quite what he's doing, but um, I never never (laughs) seem to. so. So Tesla Ren. Yes. So Elon Musk's electric car company, which also now has a solar energy unit attached, reported a surprise Q3 profit. And that's probably why there was a lot of buying up about 20% on that news, up about 25% for the month. Not the first time it was profitable. It was profitable this time last year as well. But in a story of analyst expectations and market expectations setting the price movement, no one expected Tesla to report a profit. And then when it did, it took a lot of people by surprise. And it also took a lot of people by surprise on how it reported a profit it had a really successful cost-cutting operation and that gave the market a lot of confidence, I guess, moving forward. And as a result, here we are, most bought stock in the last month in stake. Yeah, this one doesn't surprise me. No. Um, Once that report came out, you know, Tesla's a very polarizing stock. Mm. I don't know if you've been following it for the sort of last, I guess, two years. It's one of those ones that the shorters keep trying to push down and, you know, the, the ones that are backing Tesla and Musk are, you know, fighting against that. So when a report's positively, it's always going to have a bit of a kicker because you've got a bit of a short squeeze potentially happening. And yeah, and it obviously reported really well. It, it broke out of a bit of a range. It's been drifting down over the last 12 months. And yeah, I shot up over 20% over two days. So it's probably worth defining that term short squeeze because it's a term that's often used with Tesla. So do you want to just tell us what that means? Sure. So 
in markets, there's people that are long the bulls and the people that are short the bears, and they believe that the price is going to go down. So when you want to short a stock, you actually obviously you don't own it, so you have to borrow it or you have to play it by the options market, and ultimately, it means that you have to buy that stock back if you're wrong. So the buying power when with the, with the buying the the power of the buying gets accelerated when the people that are short the stock have to buy it back. You're not naturally you're not only finding people that want to buy the stock to own it because they think it's going to outperform, but there's also people that want to take their risk off the table because they're short. So you've just naturally got more more push to the buying side. So there's normally shocks when the short sellers have to cover their position. And this may have been what happened. So essentially they decided they lost enough money on this Tesla trade and decided to close out their position and to do so they had to buy. Yeah, there may have been a, a sector of the short sellers that did that then. There may actually also been some people that were like, this is a great opportunity to get short again. The prices, are, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But with Tesla, the amount of news it's had about the short selling, my guess is that it you know, obviously outperformed to the upside. So there's probably some short sellers saying, okay, maybe we got this one wrong. We're out of this next bet. There's a whole lot of conspiracy out there, especially on Twitter about how Elon managed to report such a profit. Like what has he done to the books? Are they going to release their, I don't know what they call it, essentially release the back end like data, I guess, or, or numbers as to how they reported it. Because, you know, there are, a lot of people are waiting in anticipation to see exactly where which column he put particular numbers in to me it seems like it's a reactionary buy to a lot of for a lot of these people knowing how tesla has performed over the last couple of years or so anything's possible next quarter is it a buy for you ren so on that i'm not an expert on tesla but it seems like there was some red flags you know like there was a serious lack of depreciation on their books this this quarter they had a lot of like extra charges in Q2 that they didn't recognize in Q3. So potentially there was, you know, some, we, we want to make a profit here and surprise the market. On In Thought Starters on Monday, we released David Einhorn's Q3 letter, the um, investor at Greenlight Capital. And he, in part of his letter, was just scathing about Tesla and about Elon and, you know, reckons they're committing fraud and all of that. Yeah. So that's definitely uh, colored my perspective for this conversation. But like I hope he succeeds and that's yeah, that's my other perspective. Regardless of the stock, I don't think I'll ever own it, but I hope he succeeds for, you know, broader reasons. Humanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What about you guys? Is it on the watch list? No, not for me. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. No, I'm a stay clear, not because I think it's going up or down. I just don't know enough and um, there's nothing telling me to buy it or to sell it. So I'm staying clear. Yeah, nice. Fair enough. Well, we should say before we move on. So that was the trucking company was for 65 plus. Tesla was the most bought stock for 
the 18 to 24, 25 to 34, 35 to 44, and 45 to 54 age groups. So consensus amongst the ages. Yeah. One thing that baby boomers and uh, millennials can agree on. The people have spoken. (laughs) I'm interested to know, I don't know if we've got the stats here, but I'd be interested to see the breakdown of age for our next stock. So, Matt, this is the most bought stock for the year, Mm. which is Beyond Meat. Yep. Huge IPO this year. Do you want to give us a bit of a a rundown from your end? Yes, obviously Beyond Meat, uh, B-Y-N-D is the code. Yep. Uh, Listed uh, sort of, I can't remember when it listed, maybe like March or April? May. So, May, there you yeah. go. Yeah, you're probably more in tune to it than me. <laughs> and it, re- it rallied really hard yeah. after it IPO'd. It was, I think it was up eight times its listing price at one point. So what we generally see is, you know, there's stakes got people that are investors, people that trade more frequently. And when a stock runs like that, it's a pretty easy way to play the market. It's got momentum behind it. And it's also one of those stocks that people believe in. It's you know it really is first to market in that space in the in the in the plant based meat companies, and it's just one of those ones that people just either love the story or they wanted to make a few dollars. And mm. it, it's sort of aligned for Beyond Meat. It's sort of come off obviously a little bit since then, like quite a bit. But during that run from listing to like you know August, it was just flying. So it's just one of those ones that was really heavily traded. It does have a great story behind it, as you said, plant based meat company. Every time I go to buy it to test try it, it's always sold out. So that's a positive, I mm. guess, from a competitor point of view. To your point, it's a good opportunity to play the market. It did climb, so it, it IPO'd at twenty five bucks, mm-hmm. closed on the same day at sixty six dollars, and then jumped two hundred and fifty seven percent over the next two and a half months to a high of two hundred and thirty four dollars. And then since then, it's been smashed and it's back down to 79 bucks. So it's gone up and it's gone down. Now, when you say you, you want to buy stocks that other people are buying and this had great price momentum behind it, you look at the chart and its peak is up and then the next day, bang, down. How do you if, – if you jumped on, say, two months into the run, you would have had half a month left to, to catch the up. How do you – sort of protect yourself in that situation if you if your strategy is to buy what's going up how would you sort of play that well the first thing you do when you place a trade is you know the level you're out which is your stop and that's basically your insurance you want to place that relatively tight to the entry price a little bit below but based on the volatility of the stock so if a stock is moving five dollars a day you don't want to place a stop that is two dollars fifty below your entry price that's mm. just quite silly uh, you may do it at say three times, so fifteen dollars. You know, I do mine at two and a half times, so it basically gives the. It's it can get quite complicated, but there's a thing if people want to Google called average true range and trailing stop losses. You Google those together, you'll get a much better description than I can give. But that will basically trail the stock up. So as your stock moves in your direction, you keep moving your stop up, and when it gets hit, you're out. Investing's not about being right; it's about making money. So you want to make sure that when you're wrong, you're out. And you cut your losses and you basically keep as much profit as you can and then you can move on to the next thing. The worst thing to do is to keep lowering your stop. You can always convince yourself that it's going to turn around. But as you've seen with Beyond Meat, mm. it hit the, what, the 240, I think you said? Yeah, uh, 234. Two, yeah, 234 and then now it's down at 80 bucks. Yeah. So you've lost 67% from that high. So it's a lot of money. It is a lot. So Ren, question for you. Yeah. They just reported recently. Yes. First profitable quarter for Beyond Meat. 
good on them. Yep. Sales $10 million better than Wall Street expectation, yet they were still slammed 22% when they reported. Is this a buy? I haven't tried them beyond meat, uh, so it's not a buy for me until I actually try the product. Yeah, same. I reckon, you know, we both work in supermarket retail when we're not doing the podcast, and it's definitely a growing category, whether it's beyond meat or whether it's, you know, any of the other plant-based meat companies that are out there, or whether it's something new like lab-grown meat. I, I don't know what it is, so it's probably not a buy for me at this stage. Yeah, it's a beyond me which uh, which which one is going to come first to market. But yeah, look, I want to try it first, but it's certainly selling really well. So they've got to be doing something right. From what I've read, they're one of the best in terms of taste relative to a traditional sort of meat burger. So looking forward to sinking my teeth into that when I can. But interesting <laughs> that it's the most bought over the last year. I wonder if it's now also one of the most sold. Yeah, well, those data's most traded, so ah, it right, could be okay. as well. So, yeah, but I mean, nice. I'll, the other thing you can think about when it's not on the shelves is that they don't deliver very well. Yeah. So you know, maybe they're not meeting their supply True. requirements. Who knows? True. But you know, the share price—it's normally forward expectations. So people thought they would deliver when it hit two hundred and forty dollars, and they had they, you know, they project out their earnings, and obviously they just whatever that report was it was a miss yeah. so it wasn't in line with you know the actual streets expectations now before we move on from beyond meat i want to pump bryce up and his social media so you posted something on our instagram about beyond meat a while ago which i just think shows just how crazy the valuation got at one stage and so it was market cap per employee for some of these big american companies so you get some of your Big standard names: Walmart, 140. It's the market valued at valued it at 145 thousand dollars per employee. McDonald's, 780 thousand dollars per employee. Apple, 7.2 million dollars per employee. Google, 7.6 million dollars per employee. Beyond Meat was valued at 31 million dollars per employee. Crazy. So just like the size of the actual business, and then the market value that the market was giving it were just wildly different mm. and you could explain that that you know it's a it's a business that doesn't need many, many employees to run but essentially it's a retail supply business that is uh, producing an agricultural product and selling it into retailers it needs employees to run yeah. so the value the market was giving it was just well ahead of where it was as a business. Well, yeah, I think it's certainly starting to come back to reality somewhat. So, And if you want more great Instagram content like that, um, subscribe to the Equimates <laughs> Instagram account. Now, before we move on to discuss what's happening with Berkshire at stake, I uh, just want to let the audience know that this is a bit of a taste for what is to come with, with Matt and Equity Mates over sort of the next six weeks or whatever cadence it's going to be. We're going to be checking in with you to deep dive a bit on some of the stocks that are trading in America and talk about who's buying what, which age groups. It's, you know, a great way for us to get an understanding of new stocks like, you know, one stock we'd never heard of and you know, it's a good opportunity to get exposure. So looking forward to doing similar episodes to this over the next sort of however long until Equity Mates dies, I guess. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, you've had enough of me. Yeah, true. <laughs> so Matt, Berkshire. Ren, you own Berkshire Hathaway Class B shares. I do, yep. Yeah, and you've always had an issue with the fact that you can't spend th- <laughs> spend your 320000 and buy a Class A what el- share. What else are you doing with your money? Yeah, I know, I know. It's sitting in the bank waiting to buy an A. <laughs> 
So for those who are unaware, Berkshire Hathaway is obviously the investing company for Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, two of the greatest investors in the world. Their Class A share is now worth, what, $320,000 or thereabouts? $326,800 US dollars. For one. As of when we were recording, which is $473,100 US dollars. Aussie dollars. Aussie dollars. Sorry, Aussie dollars. Yeah, yeah. So that's the price of a, I don't know, a non-Sydney house or something. Yeah. A few months salary for your rent. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Im- almost virtually impossible for your average yeah. investor to have a crack and own part of Berkshire Hathaway at Un- four hundred. Unless you're 000. forty-five and you're putting all of your super into it, you're you're not owning it. One share of this company. <laughs> no, one share. <laughs> Unbelievable. So you can own Class B shares, Matt, which are just trading under two hundred eighteen US. US. So probably three three ten or thereabouts. 300, yeah. Much better price. Much better price, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, what's, we'll, we'll move the same generally. So what's the difference between a Class A and Class B share? I mean, obviously the price. Yes. <laughs> by a long way. Now, Class A is the share. They've never ever paid a dividend. Okay. So they've continually reinvested any profits back into the company and bought and sold whatever assets they've they've got. And B has just made it more accessible. It, I don't even know what the divider is. You could probably work it out. But I think it's I think it's just it holds Berkshire Class A. It's like nearly like an ETF of the stock, yeah. ultimately. Um, so yeah, but the real thing and the things that people aspire to is to hold the A class, and I think you need an A to go to the AGM. So it yes. makes it a pretty exclusive club if you can own the A. Well, a share. Can't you can't get in with a B? I've heard you can, and I think one of our customers did it. A trader from Perth probably it was last year. So I think where there's a will, there's a way. Well, we're hoping to go next year, Ren, with some equity mates people. So if anyone wants yeah, to come, you got to fork out 420000 Plus the cost of a trip. Plus the Although cost of the trip. Although that's pretty negligible if you, if you get the share. Yeah, and they got to hang out with you guys for a week. So. <laughs> that's priceless. Yeah. So the Class B is one fifteen hundredth um, a Class A. Right. Yes. So time, yeah, it's small split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the real great thing about owning the A at least is you actually know what the price is and it's got like that sort of street credit attached to it. <laughs> street credit. <laughs> well, the good news is, Ren, now you are going to be able to get your hands on a Class A and that's because Stake now offer Berkshire A on the platform. That's right. So if you've got the full amount, it's you know it's probably never a problem for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, that's probably something we didn't touch on when we introduced Stake at the start, but is now a key part of this whole story, which is you can buy fractional shares on stake. Yes, so not only right. are they offering Class A, but they offer you the chance to buy a fraction of an A. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yeah, so you can buy in any dollar amount. So, so what's 1,000, 2,000, et cetera. What's the ticker? BRK.A. BRK.A. So I can buy 50 bucks worth of Berkshire Hathaway A class, and that is going to get me all of point what, zero. Zero, 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 zero. One something. <laughs> One five or something. Tiny. As long as it gets me into the um, stadium next year for the annual general meeting, I don't care. <laughs> so if you put $10 a week aside, it would take you uh, 629 weeks to get one full share. So what's that? It's 12 years, right? There you yeah. go. Yeah. 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 12 years thereabouts. 
Okay, we that's achievable. That. <laughs> but the good news is you don't have to do that. You can buy what any five thousand, one thousand, fifty bucks. And Matt, you are to celebrate opening up a bit of a competition for current stake accounts and also new. That's uh, right. Do you want to give us a bit yeah. of a rundown on on what it is? Yeah, well, obviously we're really excited that um, the A class is available on stake. I think we're the first um, brokerage outside the US to offer it, mm-hmm. so we could buy it in full dollar in a in dollar amounts other than the full amount. So you could have bought it before if you had in a brokerage account with the US broker, um, but you could never buy like a thousand dollars, five thousand, ten thousand. So to celebrate that and just to let people be aware of the opportunity, is we're giving out some prizes to people that. Either sign up to stake for the first time and fund their account, or if you refer a friend, you both win. So we're giving out three times a thousand dollars of Berkshire Class A, because you know, as we said, we can, you can own point zero zero. I think it's point three of a percent. Yeah. Um, of Berkshire, courtesy of stake. All you need to do is sign up. It's there's a, a giveaway page that I think we've emailed to our customers. So someone you know would have got you would have followed us on Twitter or Instagram, and you'll get a link. And I think we'll give you guys some details as well. But really straightforward. If you haven't got a stake account, I think you'll enjoy it. It's probably it's the cheapest way to trade and the easiest way to trade US shares. If you do, just go and tell your friends about it and get them to sign up and you can go into the draw to win. And I think if you use your equity mates referral code, you guys have a chance of winning. So How good. <laughs> Help hey. us win. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if you are new to stake, head on over and when you sign up, use equity mates as your referral code. And you'll also receive, I think if you do a minimum trade of 500 bucks, Stake will send you some merch. So that's a little added bonus as well. And that will also enter you into the competition to have your chance at winning that thousand and that 0.3% of Berkshire A. <laughs> I think 0.03%. Or whatever is that, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 0.3 of a percent. 0.3 yeah. of a percent. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's a thousand bucks. A thousand bucks, yeah. <laughs> and that's if, US as well. And if you are already a user on stake, you can refer your own friends using your code and that will go in the draw to win. That's right. Everyone gets their own unique code to share stake with family and friends and just pass it on and both of you go into the draw to win. Nice. So great opportunity there. Pretty exciting that we can now get our hands on Berkshire A. As you said, never been achievable for a lot of us, probably unachievable for many of us for many years to come. So yeah, pretty momentous occasion, Ren. You can now sell your B and get into A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the chart's looking pretty good too, actually. Interesting. Well, yeah. It's, uh, it's on my watch list. It's had, a, uh, it's had a down year this year though. That's the thing. It's lagged the S&P 500 by a fair bit. So I think it's up 7% this year and the s and P's up 22% or something like that. It's, it's what's sitting right at the ties, like recent highs. It's, it's a really interesting time. They're holding a lot of cash. Yeah, yeah $128 billion in cash. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and, and no dividends. So. <laughs> yeah. Although no dividends, all right, because I trust Warren Buffett to invest that money yeah. better than I, I yeah. would. I've got a funny thing about dividends. It makes no sense to me. It's like you're investing in a company and they give you their money back. Yeah, it's like they, they want cash. They don't think they can do anything with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but everyone is talking about Warren's next elephant-sized acquisition because he uh, he's been lagging the index and he's sitting on all this cash. So it could be exciting times at Berkshire. Could yeah, be equity time. mates. Hold on, <laughs> <laughs> he'll need more money than that. <laughs> Nice, boys. Well, as always, great to chat stocks with both of you. Thanks for your time today, Matt. Where can people go to find more information about the comp? 
Yeah, just obviously to hellostake.com, our website, um, our social channels, which is at hellostake. So yep. that's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It'll be plastered, no doubt, by our, our team. And yeah, if you just got a friend who uses it, get their referral code or use Equity Mates. Uh, yeah, but just to go download the app or check out hellostake.com. It's, it's, all, it's all there. Awesome. Very much looking forward to our next check-in to see who's buying what in the US. I wonder if the trucking company will be on the list still. <laughs> I reckon you're going to be buying it, so you'll you'll give it some momentum. <laughs> Mate, I'm not 65 plus. True. <laughs> um, nice. Well, we'll leave it there and uh, we'll check in next time. Uh, cheers. Thanks for having me. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how they pertain to your individual situation. Equity Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.